just confess to you this morning how much we need you. We humble ourselves, Lord, and confess, God, that we've messed up and we need a Savior. And God, thank you that you are our defense, that you are our righteousness, God. And we we lift up your name today and we just pray that you would speak through Pastor David, God, and speak to our hearts. We, uh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, come and move. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori, uh, for coming and, and doing such a wonderful job and leading us in worship. I always appreciate when you can do that for us. Wherever, there you are back there. I knew you were back there somewhere. So, All right. So, so yeah, so we, um, we have still quite a bit of of sickness um, around the the church, um, Ellen Hamby uh, got COVID, um, so there's that. There's still some sickness at, at the Davis house. I talked to Kurt a couple days ago on the phone, and he sounded like two miles of rough road. You know, when I was talking to him, and and uh, and for those of you that are tracking, I mean, if you were here last week, if you were watching online or whatever, um, my voice was is obviously better this week speaking. Um, I still can't sing. I sound like Beaker from the Muppet Show when I try to sing, so I'm not going to do that. But um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, we're 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 fighting through it and it's going well. Um, so kids, today this is my prop for today. Do you know what this is? Anyone? Anyone know? Flashlight? Yes. Look at that. Ah, look at that, huh? It actually works. The battery's working this thing. So <clears throat> so when I was your age. My dad used to do a lot of stuff in the garage, and I never wanted to help him. He never asked me to help him, but I never wanted to. I was kind of, it, was, it was kind of boring. But as I got older, and as I got to a point where I knew I was going to be driving soon, then I got interested all of a sudden anytime my dad was working on the car, and I wanted to be there and help him. Now, he had every tool you could think of, all kinds of really cool tools, wrenches, Things that went, whatever that was, right? All that stuff. He had all of that. And so I would go out there, and he'd be working on the car, and I would say, Dad, can I help you? And he would say, okay. And he would always give me the same tool, a flashlight. He would say, point this flashlight right here so I can see what I'm doing. That was frustrating. That made me upset. I wanted to do more. I wanted to play with the stuff that went, right? I wanted to do that. And he just had me pointing the light. And it felt like I wasn't doing that much. But you know what? Now that I'm older, now that I've had my own kids and they're grown, I understand that anytime you ask anybody if you can help them, no matter what you can do, even if it's just pointing the light, it's important. And the same is true when God asks you to help someone else. When you feel in your heart that you should try to help somebody, the first thing you might think is, I can't do that much. I can't help them. But even if you can just point the light, you can help them. Okay? And that's all you have to do. Even the simplest tasks are very important to God. Can you remember that? All right. That's my lesson for you today. And I might even want you to play with the flashlight later. You never know, right? You never know. So welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you that are watching us online today. It's hard to believe 
But this is our last week in our four-part series called Back to the Basics. And so far, we've covered prayer. We've covered scripture. We covered confession last week. And today, we're going to be talking about service, or said another way, serving others. You know, God has created us with, with good works in mind. And at the very least, our purpose on this earth is to serve others and to fulfill God's plan for our lives. God is faithful, and he will give us opportunities, and he'll give us the resources necessary to make a difference wherever we are, even if that difference is just holding a light. Now, truth be told, we could probably do a basic series for another three months as there are so many good and profitable practices and rhythms as Christians and as followers of Jesus that we could commit to. And I pray that our time together over the past few weeks is going to serve as sort of a springboard for you to maybe investigate some of these other things a little bit more. Um, things such as Sabbath, things such as giving or communion, and so many other things. And one thing that I know for sure that spending time with Jesus, as we talked about last week, is profitable. And as we've already discussed, prayer and scripture are things that we should be committing ourselves to do on a daily basis. And not because we need to check some sort of ambiguous righteousness checkbox, to-do list sort of thing. That's, that's not it. But it's because that's where Jesus is. That's where we meet him, where we really get to know him. That's where we reconnect with our Savior and with our King. And that's where we kind of get the fuel necessary to go and do good deeds and do service for other people. And serving others, trading our time and our treasure and, and all of that so that others may experience the love of Christ, that, that's just the stuff of it. It's the topic today that we're going to be talking about a little bit more, that, that idea of kingdom-minded service. And so let me pray for us as we get started today. Jesus, the example that you set is so amazing. It's a, it's a standard that, quite honestly, sometimes we have a hard time living up to. The way that you loved others, the way that you gave yourself for others, it's, it's a north star, it's a, it's a compass point for us. It guides us through the dark and the weary night. So help us to be more like you. Help us to love like you. Help us to lead like you. And to give ourselves like you did. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. So when you, when you think of serving others, what images come to mind? If I asked you to pray about, you know, trading your time and your talent and your treasure in order to serve, <coughs> excuse me, and bless others, what would you do? What, what would come to mind for you? Because I imagine many of you are simply thinking about, I'll just throw some money in the offering box. I'm good. And it might be, you know, something else. It might be more than just giving money. Maybe doing a service project, okay? If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know that coming off of a mission trip can be this amazing experience. My son, uh, Ian, took a mission trip with uh, Maryville Christian School his senior year. And he was excited when they were leaving for the mission trip. But I'll never forget picking him up at the airport. All these kids, all these teenage boys coming off this 
this flight, and they were all wearing these multicolored like hoodies that that had been handmade down in Guatemala, where they were. They all looked like they were, you know, the the tour team for Bob Marley. I mean, they were all, you know what I mean. And they, they all came off, and they were just full of energy, and they were all excited and and, and just fired up. Couldn't wait to go back. Couldn't wait to, to, to do it again, you know, just to, to get in there and, and, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and I remember thinking, wow, I want to do that, you know. I want to feel that. Whatever that looks like, I want to feel that. And there are so many avenues of service for us. You know, I, I, there are hundreds of ways that we can serve other people. That's just the truth. And, and it might be beneficial, like a beneficial use of time. And I'm not going to list them all today. Because that would be kind of a, a boring sort of bullet point time here just to say, well, you could do this, and you could do this, and you could do this. Some of you may walk away feeling guilty because you haven't done this, 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 or this, or whatever. And that's, that's not really the point of today's message. Today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the motivation behind why we do those things, the motivation behind the action. And I believe in the long run, that's going to serve all of us more than just a bullet point list. Now, how many of you remember or had one of these? Right? Mine was red. That shouldn't be any surprise to any of you, especially you can see my truck out there. Red is my color, right? So mine was red, and I did have one. We all did, right? At some point. This, this, um, WWJD bracelet, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then just hang in with me for a few minutes here, but the, the phrase itself, believe it or not, actually dates back hundreds of years. It was employed uh, in sermons by the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, and so it was not exactly a new idea, but if you, if you go back to the bracelets for a minute here, they began as sort of a grassroots movement in the 90s out of a youth group in Holland, Michigan. And the youth pastor was just simply trying to figure out a simple way for her students to remember that phrase. What would Jesus do? Little did she know that those bracelets would become a, a worldwide phenomenon. And it would spark an entire generation of people that were asking that question. What would Jesus do? And as I reconsider that phrase today and, and how it pertains to serving others, I want to invite you all to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says, Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man, the King of kings did not come here to be served did not come here to be waited on did not come here to be treated like what we think of royalty the king of kings came to serve others christ came to trade his life and his energy and his time and everything that he had so that others like you and i could have life and in our case eternal life and as we follow him, and as we learn to live like he did, we're called to give our lives in a similar way, like he did, so that others may experience life, and hopefully, eternal life. 
And Jesus answers many of our objections through the Gospels. You know, I started writing down these, these just quick, and I'm, I'll be completely transparent with you, objections that I've used, objections that came very easy to me. You may be thinking things like, well, what if I don't like that person? How, can, how am I going to help them? Yet Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, all right. What about my neighbors? What about the people that I don't even know? Jesus would probably have you read the story of the Good Samaritan found in, in Luke's gospel. For Samaritans were hated from the Jews, and yet it was a Samaritan who helped that Jew that was injured. Okay, what about my day-to-day -day life? What, about, what if I'm having a bad day? What if I'm just having a hard time? What if I simply just can't function today or do anything meaningful for another person? Now, those of us who've been going through various stages of sickness, I think we can identify with that. I had that one day where me and the couch, we were the best of friends. And a lot did not, uh, there was a lot that didn't get done, at least on my to-do list, right? What about those days? What about those days where you're just so worn out? Well, a couple things come to mind here. And the first one is something that Jesus said to the Apostle Paul. Paul said this. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, Paul says that he's going to boast even more in his weakness. And the reason for that is because then it has to give all the glory to Jesus. It's got nothing to do with him at that point. So on one hand, I want you to be confident that even in your weakness, God can still use you and what you have to offer, even if it's just a little bit. The truth is, even if you can just send a text message, you're able to send somebody an encouraging note. It's so easy. I'm not one of those people that is, you know, looking for constant affirmation. Not anymore. Maybe back in my youth, yes. But every once in a while, I get a random text message. And you can't believe the difference that it makes. Even if it's just as innocuous as, hey, I like that shirt you were wearing today. You know, nothing to do with the sermon, nothing, right? You know? Hey, that was a funny joke. You know, something like that, right? But whatever it is, and sometimes it's just, wow, thank you. Somebody thought for just a minute just to reach out. And I try to do the same thing. You know, if I'm going through my week, and, and I'm listen, we're all guilty of this. Our, our week gets ahead of us, okay? Our days get ahead of us. I don't know about you, but I mean, this morning, Angie and I were talking over coffee, and I said, almost February. Wasn't, wasn't it just Christmas last week? I mean, didn't we just take the tree down? It's going to be February in two days. How'd that happen? It just happened. But every once in a while, maybe not as often as I'd like, but every once in a while, a name pops in my head. Even a name. Just, hey, I need to text David. I need to text Jason. I need to text Ray or text Cliff or or the Wentworths, or it's, I need to text somebody and just say, hey, how are you? 
Or in the case of Wentworth, where are you? <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's so easy to do, but I think also because it's so easy to do, it's easy to forget about. Or it's easy for us to kind of go, ah, that's not that important. It's like holding a flashlight. But it's, it is important. It is something that we can do. You know, we all have access to the Internet, right? We can make a phone call. There are numerous avenues that are made available to us through technology to allow us to serve other people. The second thing that comes to mind is something that the Apostle Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, full disclosure, okay? In this passage, Paul's definitely talking about money, okay? But I don't want to mislead you and make you think that this is about money. I think this principle applies to serving others, too. I believe that sowing and reaping are God's principles, and I think they play out in many different areas in our lives. And I know for a fact that God loves a cheerful giver. Let's be honest. For some of us, giving money is a lot easier than giving our time. You know, I've said before, time is something you can't make more of. That's more precious. I think God loves a cheerful giver. And I know that he will give us all that we need so that in every situation we can abound in every good work. That's, that's the economy of God's kingdom. It's, it's bountiful. It's plentiful. And e even when you don't feel like you are enough, or maybe you have enough, God works through you as you offer up what you have. You offer yourself as a living sacrifice, as Paul said in Romans, into his service. So back to that question, what would Jesus do? He would, and he did, offer himself for others. He gave himself full stop to the work that the Father sent him too, and we're called to follow his example. You ever have this feeling, like you think back on your on your day to day, like we were just talking about. You ever feel like you were made for more? You ever feel like you're just kind of going through the motions? But there, you've got this what I think what we all maybe call at some point, sort of that mediocre life. We're just kind of doing, and we daydream of escaping to some grand adventure outside of that. You ever wonder if maybe that's why we enjoy escapism through a, a great book or a movie or a television show? If, if, you're a, if you're a gamer, you know, it might be into that game why VR has become so popular all of a sudden because you literally step into this grand adventure. But what if that feeling were real? What if, what if it was something deep inside of you, the way you were made, in, made, 
And it was planted there by a divine creator. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This became one of my favorite verses in the Bible. As someone who enjoys building and making things, I can appreciate that word, workmanship. It's, it's not something that's just sort of slapped together carelessly, and it's good enough. No, that's something that is, it's something that's fashioned, something that's honed with care and time. Several years ago, um, at my job, <coughs> they were giving away this giant laser printer, and it was, I mean, it was about this tall off the ground. It was this huge, heavy thing. And Angie was running her own business at the time, and they said I could take the printer home, so I took the printer home. We didn't have anything to put the printer on. So I got it like upstairs into her office and about broke my back doing that. And, and she said, we need something to put this on. And I thought, well, I've got some wood in the garage. I'll just build a stand for it, which I did. And it was hideous. But it was basically plywood and two-by-fours, pressure-treated two-by-fours, the kind of stuff that you use outside, right? And I put this thing together, and it was rock solid. That printer sat on that thing for years, and it was an eyesore. And on the flip side, I had this friend who does woodworking, and he loves to do woodworking. And he announced to me about that time or a little bit after that that he was going to make these Adirondack chairs for his back deck. It took him months. And then finally he invited us over to the house, and these things were gorgeous. I thought he had like ordered them out of a catalog. And the difference was that he could actually tell me the kind of wood he could tell me the, the type of like joints and things that he fashioned to, to put it all together and the, and the finish he put on it and the grit of sandpaper. I mean, every, everything about it, everything, every detail. And they moved away um, a couple years ago to Cleveland, and he still has them there, and they're still beautiful. And, and we were up there, and I got to hang out with him and sit in his backyard on those very chairs. And, and it just sort of reminded me the difference between slapping something together, and workmanship. See, when, when Paul reminds us that we are his workmanship, he's using that language because he understands that we weren't just slapped together. I got some you know, random cells here and some random cells here, and look, there's a David Huey. No. This was on purpose, believe it or not. I mean, this was, you know, it's true for all of us. Just go home, look in the mirror, and go, this was on purpose. There's a reason for this. And that's why it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. A craftsman has this specific vision and invests time and, and learns talent into making something that we would call workmanship. So when we read this, we, we can't sell ourselves short. Because we're his workmanship. We're designed specifically for his purposes. There you go. 
created in Christ to do good work. Work that God the Father prepared in advance. You're created for more than mediocrity. You're created for good works, for divine works, for kingdom works. And there's, there's so much of the kingdom life to experience on the other side of serving others. You have to, like the Gospel of Luke says, put your hand on the plow and don't look back. You have to get into it. You have to try. You have to start, start small. Start with a, a donation. Start with a text message. Right? Start by donating some food to a local food bank or, or start by serving in kids' ministry. My wife made me put that one in there. Start, uh, you know, just once a month or start, start helping out on a Sunday here. We've got plenty of things that, that, that we could certainly use help with. Greeting at the front door, the tech stuff, all of that. Serving on a worship team. Just start somewhere because you were created for so much more. James, the brother of Jesus, said this. Therefore, whoop, nope. No, there we go. There we go. I had some slides in there from last week. What God, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, that's their version of, I'll be praying for you. That's what we do nowadays, right? <coughs> if they just say that without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now please hear me, because sometimes this passage gets misinterpreted. And this is very important. This passage is not saying that you're not saved unless you do good works. It's not saying that. That's not true. We are saved by grace. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to say it this way because I heard it this way and I really like it this way. You weren't saved by good works. You were saved to good works. In other words... Your good works aren't going to save you, but because you're saved, you're going to feel compelled to do good works. You are actually, in fact, made for more than mediocrity. In his book, uh, Leading Across Culture, James E. Pluteman, I love his last name. He's got so many consonants. I wish I could just have one or two, you know. We're, we're short in the Hui family, the consonants, but... Uh, he reflects on an experience that taught him the eternal value of service and working hard, even at what others might call a menial job. Right, so during his high school days, Pluteman worked at a Christian camp under the direction of an outstanding leader named Hiram Johnson. They called him High, right? Hi, hi, hi. I like that, right? So one day, Pluteman writes, we worked until dark trying to finish a staff house before the camp season started. My shirt was soaked with sweat, my hands were blistered from shoveling sand around the foundation, and I was beginning to feel sorry for myself. Here comes High Johnson, he strode you know, around the corner of the building, and he watched what we were doing for a while, and then quietly, 
reminded us that the staff who were moving into this house would be a big help to the camp. Then he said something I will never forget. Your shoveling will, in the long run, be used of the Lord to bring a lot of campers to Jesus. So we started shoveling with a renewed sense of purpose. Now we were not just a bunch of dirty, sweaty high school kids tired of shoveling mud. We were instruments of God Almighty to bring people to himself. What a lesson in leadership. Our view of the task shifted from shoveling sand to building the kingdom. I didn't fix the car my dad was working on, but by holding the light, he was able to do it. You see, every act of service as a Christian has an impact, no matter how insignificant it may seem. It can make a huge difference. And we've covered a lot of ground these past few weeks. And, and again, I, I hope and I, I pray that it's been a springboard for you. At the very least, I hope that you'll, you find regular time for prayer. You find regular time in the Word every day or week. I pray that you feel confident and empowered in confessing your sins and praying with other believers. And, and finally... I hope that you find a meaningful place to serve, to serve others. I trust in serving others that you will experience in new ways, in fuller ways, the love of God. <coughs> Excuse me. I know I have. And I know that it's, it's not always been like a one-and-done kind of thing. Sometimes you have to try different areas. And it won't take you long to realize that you may not be a fit in a particular area. I've volunteered in places and thought right away after the first go, mm, not, that's not me. I've been dragged literally kicking and screaming into volunteering. I had a friend, um, Paul Fain, who was serving in children's ministry. This is probably a decade or so ago. And they were putting on these plays for kids. And they needed somebody with energy. They needed somebody, you know, that they could connect and all that sort of thing. And he kept saying, this is you, this is you. No, it's not me. That's not me. No. I said, I can barely handle my own kids at home. I don't know that I can handle a room full of other kids. Well, I got dragged kicking and screaming into that. I did that for a while. Then I started teaching large group kids. And it was during that teaching of large group kids that God spoke to me again and said, uh-huh, see, see, this is what I called you to do. This is what you're wired for. Take this and explain it so that others can, can do something with it. And I, you're not off the hook. I want you to do something with it too, but you know what I mean, right? And, and that's what led to this. But see, everybody's walk is different. Everybody's journey is different. And everything you do matters. Everything. Never think for a second that it doesn't. But if you're not doing something, if you're not serving others in any way, I, I just, I urge you, start praying about it. 
Let somebody drag you kicking and screaming into something that you think you're not equipped for. Because God knows better. And sometimes other people do too. You know, in 1 John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And when we say lay down our lives, we're literally not talking about giving up our our life. But what we're talking about is giving up our time. Giving up those precious minutes and hours to serve other people. The life of faith is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you don't have to do everything all at once. Don't leave here today and burn yourself out. And then send me a text message that I don't want to get. Okay, don't do that. All right? You don't have to do everything all at once. I want you to start small. Experiment a little bit. Ask God to show you. And just make sure that you start somewhere. If any of you have any questions for, or any suggestions for, for, for ways that you think you can serve, I mean, honestly, it could be something that hasn't even occurred. Please let me know. Please let one of the elders know. If you'd like to serve here, I'll put you to work, all right? I mean, we'll, we'll find stuff to do, okay? If you'd like to, to try that, that'd be great. Um, or, or just if you want to reach a, um, a ministry outside, I'd be happy to help you do that too. I'll connect you with the right people, whatever it looks like. That's just my encouragement for you, okay? I, um, we can talk about it all day, but we want to do it. Now talk about it. This is how we transition from doing church to being the church. And that's what we want. We want to be the church. Amen? All right, let me pray for us. Father, I just, um, I thank you that you are the kind of dad that lets us help. Because the truth is, is that you're God. You can do everything. But that's not how you work. You want us to be part of it. And I thank you that we get the opportunity to serve others. We get to love others. That it reminds us of the blessings that we have that maybe others don't. So God, would you speak to each of us today? Would you show us where we can have the, where we can serve? What opportunities are out there? And would you give us the boldness to take that first step? Even if it's a small one. Even if it's just holding the light. Lord, that's our prayer. And all God's people say, amen. Thank you for those of you that are watching online today. Thank you for those of you that are here. (coughs) As I cough. For those of you that are still sick, Believe me, my sympathies are with you. We're all getting better. We're all getting stronger. I look forward to seeing all of you next week. God bless. If you need anything, please reach out. Amen.